I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at chapter 24 of Breaking Dawn. Surprise! And surprise, surprise, it's another boring chapter. <laughs> I just think since she's turned into a vampire, we've gotten a real slow start to the next stage of this book, haven't we? Just a lot of Bella looking at trees, realising that she's a vampire. I don't know why that was hard to comprehend since she knew she was going to become a vampire, but she's looking at things and she's like, wow, I'm a vampire now. And then she's like, oh, wow, I have a baby, which is harder to comprehend, I guess, since it's a freak of nature child. but. Essentially, she's, uh, yeah, she's just bummed out that Jacob has an attachment to her daughter. And it's a, it's a possessiveness thing. It's not a pedophile thing. Just don't even think that. No one's thinking that. No one's the slightest bit perturbed. We're all just accepting that. And it's her birthday. Both her real birthday and her vampire birthday, which seems like an awful coincidence, doesn't it? How did Stephanie Meyer manage to finagle that one, that Bella becomes a vampire on her actual birthday? Or, or is it the next day? I don't know, now that she doesn't sleep, it's a bit hard for me to understand where we are in, in a timeline. Because previously she would just end chapters going to sleep and start chapters waking up. And you know, it was just super clear cut. We knew what we were gonna get when it was just like a chapter a day, a day per chapter. But now all bets are off because the bitch don't sleep. And you know how some chapters we pick up like, three hours later and we skip over all the action. Not this time. This time we're picking up with the next line of dialogue. So previously, Alice had said, we're not celebrating your vampire birthday. It's September 13th, Bella. Happy 19th birthday. And so then we pick up with this one with her saying, no, no way. She says, that doesn't count. I stopped aging three days ago, so I'm 18 forever. Remember, even though she's a teenager, she still cares very deeply about aging. And even though she's... She's now flawless. She thinks it matters whether or not she was turned as a vampire when she was 18 or 19. And I don't know if it counts from when you died three days ago or if it counts from now when you're waking up. I don't know. But it seems like a weird thing to actually even care about. And also it's weird that they're celebrating a human birthday at all because they don't have their own human birthdays to celebrate. 
Alice is just so obsessed with Bella, she wants to make another party for Bella. Like this bitch just had a graduation party and then she just had a wedding at the house and then she's had a fucking baby. It's just been Bella, 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 Bella. I'd be sick of her. It's like, Alice, I know you like to dress people up and stuff, but she's no longer human, so it's no longer quaint and cute. She's now your vampire sister. I I think maybe dial it back a notch. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but what does Bella have? Beer flavored nipples? Everyone's obsessed with her. And she tries to protest, but Alice just says, look, we're having a party, Bells. Get over it. And she's like, okay. She goes, there's no point in ever arguing with Alice. She's like, all right then. And remember, Alice walked up with the key. And I was like, what the fuck's that for? I was like, surely not a car. She's already got a car. I forgot that that was the before car. The tank was just for her to drive around for like, what, five or six days while she was still a human. And now she'll be getting a new car, but that's not Alice's key because Edward says, she's got another key. And he's like, yeah, you got another present. And she's like, oh no, not the after car. I don't want to see it. And Alice is like, look at my key first. So there's like a little key battle between Alice and Edward. And Alice is like, she needs to open my present first because she looks like shit. Because I think she's still wearing rags slash Edward's shirt. (laughs) This whole time, she's still looking like a mess from when she went out hunting. And she's like, what has a key got to do with clothes? Has she bought me a whole trunk full of clothes? And yeah, well, maybe. And Edward's like, but I want to show her the car. So there's a standoff between Alice and Edward over which key to open, which I don't, I don't know how she can unwrap the key. It's just a key with a bow on it. She knows it's a key. I don't know. Anyway, so they decide to play rock, paper, scissors. Alice says, I'll play you for it. And so then Jasper's chuckling and Edward's sighing. And Edward's like, "Ugh, why don't you just tell me who wins? And I think this is like interesting because they should be evenly matched. She can see the future based off of decisions and he can read her mind. So it's sort of like a chicken or the egg scenario. Like who, who should win in that instance? Because as soon as Edward makes a decision to go rock, paper or scissors, she should then be able to see that future, even though in times past, she's theatrically like held her head and been like, wow, I'm getting a vision. Give me a sketch pad so I can draw a ballet studio. And it's been like a longer process. I'm assuming for a small decision like this, it's quite quick and instantaneous. So he makes that decision. She sees it, but then he would read her mind knowing that she's seen it. And so then he could change, but then she would change what she's going to do because she would see that he's decided to change. So I'm a bit lost in a loop on that one. But the way it plays out, it's as if, of course, Alice would win. He's like, oh, why don't you just tell me who wins? And she's like, I do. And he's like, oh, okay, you win. Where, surely she must be lying. I don't see how either of them can ever win. Unless Alice is like thinking other things like she did during graduation and just throwing her hands out there. Or he's making very, very last minute decisions. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't get it. That's just spun me out. I don't know how I'm going to recover that one. I might need to sit down for a sec and just really just like map that out. But anyway, they're acting like, of course, Alice wins. She can see the future. And I don't know about that. And I don't even know why Edward has to say, why don't you tell me who wins when he can read her mind? I don't know. I really just, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on this, but I just need to skip over it so I can move along. So Edward says, you know what? It's probably better I wait till the morning anyway, because then Jacob will be up and he'll appreciate the car. So it'll be nice to have someone on board who can appreciate the big reveal. And she's like, yeah, that's great. But Bella, that is. She's like, I don't give a shit. So then Alice is like, all right, Bella, give me Ness. And she's like, oh, Renesmee. 
Even Alice is saying Ness, and a few other characters did that last chapter too. And it's just like, if they're all acknowledging that Renesmee's a shit name, could none of them have spoken up when Bella floated the idea? I know there wasn't a vote on it, like there should have been, but everyone was like, oh yeah, that's pretty. That's, um, that's really nice. That's pretty. And I bet they were all like crossing their fingers, hoping it was a boy so they wouldn't have to say Renesmee. But you know, that's what the kids named now. And they're all just calling her Ness. <laughs> so funny. And so Bella's like, where does Renesmee usually sleep? And they're like, oh, she doesn't sleep in a bed. She sleeps in people's arms. She's never been set down in her whole life. Alice says she's going to be the most spoiled half vampire in existence. And everyone laughs. And Rosalie, she's like, well, also the most unspoiled half vampire in existence. And, you know, we get it because she's the allegedly the only one of her kind. But then Rosalie has to explain that for us as well, because I don't know if she thinks we're dumb or she thinks Bella's dumb, but she goes, because it's the beauty of being one of a kind, you see. And it's like, yes, Rosalie, thanks for the explainer. So I took that as Rosalie being condescending, but Bella takes it as like a side of their camaraderie. She's like, oh, it's nice to see that Rosalie's still on my side. We're still happy little chappies. She used to hate me, but now she likes me. Great. So then Alice is like, all right, well, it's time to use this key to open whatever it may open. And she says, let's go. And she's like, oh my God, it's outside. And Alice is like, yeah, sort of being all cryptic. And Rosalie's like, yeah, enjoy it. It's from all of us. And I think usually when people say that, it's not really from everybody. You know what I mean? Like, how is it from you as well, Rosalie? I don't know. But she says, Esme especially. And to to spoil the big reveal, it's a house. They've built them a house or renovated a house, a little cottage in the woods. And I guess Esme's an architect. So she has been busy. She's been booked and blessed. I was worried that she wasn't getting up to much, but no, she's been really busy. And Rosalie's hanging back. So Bella's like, why did you come with us? Not knowing that it's a house yet. And Rosalie says, no, 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 no. We'll give you a chance to appreciate it alone. And then you can tell us about it dot, dot, dot later. And Emmett starts laughing because their other gift is the alone time, AKA, Here's a cottage with a bed in it. Go and bang your brains out. So that's their gift. That's how it's from all of them. And as far as gifts go, that's a bit of a cop out for the alone time part of it. You know, I'm from the school of thought where, you know, a gift necessitates a receipt. If you haven't got a receipt for it, it's not a gift. But uh, I I see where she's coming from. Yeah. I also don't know how I feel about giving Bella a house for her birthday when it's like Edward's house as well. You know, does he just have less ownership over the house? Is it a conjoined thing? Is this for his birthday too? I don't know. Is it equitable? Well, these are the things we're just going to have to think about. Probably on our own time, because I don't know if it's going to get brought up in this book. So many loose ends to tie up. Anyway, so she doesn't know what they're talking about with the whole alone time and Emmett laughing. And she's like, what am I missing? She starts to blush while she doesn't blush because she can't blush anymore. But she will tell us that she would have blushed if she could have, uh, which is just you know really thrilling to read. Um, and she says, well, you know what? I was worried that I wouldn't be anything like my old self now that I'm a vampire, but I still hate surprises. I don't know if she actually genuinely expected that the vampire conversion process would take away certain aspects of her personality like that, just like likes and dislikes. But she says, it was a relief and revelation to discover how much of my essential core traits had come with me into this new body. I don't know if it is a revelation. There's like six other vampires around you and they seem to be similar to their human counterparts. In fact, like 
it's been made known to us lots of times that the traits they had when they were human were accentuated when they became a vampire. So really, like she could have woken up with a gift of just like really hating surprises. And she's like, wow, I'm so blessed to still hate surprises. Like everything's just coming up, Bella. Everything's going right. So Bella's smiling at that revelation, but Alice thinks she's smiling about getting a present. So Alice is like, oh, thank God you're happy. There's the enthusiasm I'm looking for. Come on. So they go and jump over the river, Alice, Edward, and Bella. Then once they're over the river, Alice puts a blindfold on Bella. Um, okay, I, I guess blindfolds still work on vampires. She can see fucking microbes and things, but she can't see through a blindfold. I'm unsure of the mechanics of that. I, I think that's a bit much. I mean, she's going to be surprised nonetheless. Whether or not you put a blindfold out, like, just show her the fucking house. Just so theatrical, this Alice. And as she's putting on the blindfold, Bella's like, what are you doing? And she says, making sure you can't see, which is, should have been fucking obvious, but no, it's not. So then they've got to go through the woods with her blindfolded. And Edward's leading her. And she says, I kept up easily. I wasn't afraid of hitting a tree. The tree would be the only one getting hurt in that scenario, a boomtish. I love how she's cracking jokes about that, even though earlier that day, she was like, I hope I don't hurt Esme's trees. Oh, I hope she doesn't have a favorite tree because I'm going to knock over a tree and hurt all these trees. Now she's like, ah, if I hit a tree, the tree would be the one to feel it. I'd be fine, but the tree would be damaged. (laughs) Ha ha. Just a complete 180 from her stance two or three chapters ago. Just the continuity in this book. It drives me crazy. So they get to outside of the cottage. Bella's got to sniff around. She's like, I can't see through this thin fabric over my vampire eyes, but I smell honeysuckle and smoke and roses and sawdust and something metallic. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you smell stuff. Every time she goes somewhere new, are we going to have to get a list of scents? I just, uh. So then she opens up her eyes. Yep, okay. Oh, and actually note that, so there wasn't an actual blindfold. Alice was on her back and had her hands covering Bella's eyes. That makes more sense. That's my bad. I misread. And I suppose vampire eyes cannot see through vampire fingers. Okay, that makes more sense. All right, you got me, you got me there, Steph. You, you got me there, doll. Okay, so then she opens up her eyes and there's a tiny stone cottage. You know, it's beautiful. It's quaint. It's very like fairy tale storybook. She loves it already. And Edward explains that Esme thought we might like a place of our own for a while, but she didn't want us too far away. And she loves any excuse to renovate. He says, this little place has been crumbling away out here for at least a hundred years. Who's paying the taxes on this? Is it all part of the Cullen estate? What permits were there to renovate this crumbling little cottage that's been there for a hundred years? Is it a, is it a heritage building? I don't know. I'm really interested in this. And also like, oh, Esme finally has an excuse to renovate. What's she been doing for the past hundred years? Could she not have had a little fixer-upper just as her own little hobby? They act like she's only got eight good hours in the day. Like, bitch doesn't sleep, bitch doesn't eat. She could be, she could be out there working. And then I wonder like, yeah, how is she renovating this cottage? Like, what rooms do they need? They don't need a kitchen. They don't really need a bed, except I think they do want a bed so they can bang. Um, okay, a nursery, yeah. A TV room, perhaps? I don't know. I wonder, I wonder what the floor plan of this cottage is. I would love to know. So Bella's just staring and Alice is like, oh, what, don't you like it? And she genuinely thinks that Bella doesn't like it. Her face falls 
And she's like, I mean, I'm sure we could fix it up differently if you want. Um, um, we just thought, we just thought you'd like it best this way. It was meant to look all like cute. I mean, but if Esme was wrong, we could get back to work. Like she's freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, could you not have just seen her reaction coming Dal? You can apparently predict games of paper, scissors, rock with lightning speed, but you can't predict whether or not Bella would like the cottage. And Renesmee's not a part of her anymore. Jacob's not hanging around. This is a vision that you should be able to see. Or, or, or have we forgotten that Alice can see the future? I don't know. Maybe because it's not tied to a decision. Uh, she's not made a decision on whether or not she likes the cottage because she didn't know about the existence of the cottage. What a fucking loophole. This, this decision thing, I go on about it every week, but oh, it's just the worst basis for a fortune teller. I just, oh, deep breaths, Nathan, deep breaths. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, I'm back from a little break. <laughs> a little de-stressor. So she confirms with Alice. She says, oh, so you're giving me a house for my birthday. And Edward's like, well, us. It's, it's, it's a joint present. And he said, and also it's just a cottage. I don't think the word house is appropriate. That implies more leg room. And Bella's like, don't fucking knock my house. It's, it's a house. Cottages can be houses. And then Alice is like, oh my God, you do like it. And she's like, oh, I can't wait to tell Esme. And Bella's like, well, where is she? Why didn't she come with us? And Alice was like, well, we know how you are with presents and how you're a little bitch about it. We didn't want to put you under too much pressure to like it. Which just goes to show what they think of Bella. They, they think that she's a fucking monster, don't they? And um, she's like, oh, and also the closet stock. So please get dressed. Alice is like, I'm begging you, please just wear some nicer clothes. 
And Bella's like, what are you talking about, Alice? Come on inside. And Alice is like, uh, actually, Edward can show you around. We'll see you later. She walks off smiling. She's sauntering off. And Bella's like, that's weird. And Edward's like, ah, they're giving us alone time. Alice was just trying to be subtle about it, but they're giving us alone time. Wink, wink, wink. And she's like, oh. And as soon as she realizes what alone time means, she's horned up and ready to go. She says, that was all it took to make the house disappear. We could have been anywhere. I didn't see the trees or the stones or the stars. It was just Edward. So she's laser focused on that pain. So he goes and takes her inside. And then she's thinking about how she feels off balance, although she's not off balance. She's waiting for her body to do that Bella thing where she crumbles whenever Edward looks at her and it's not happening. And then she's also thinking about how she should be exhausted because this has been the longest day of her life. And then she laughs out loud because she realized that this day would never end. And I don't know if um, she's being an idiot or not, but like the day still ends, Bells. Yes, you stay awake, but the day still ends. The, the clock ticks over and we enter a new date each day, every 24 hours. Like, do I need to explain this to her? But she thinks because she's the center of the universe that the day just continues on forever because she never shuts her eyes and has a nap. Like, is that what the definition of a day is? It's, it's no longer to do with the sun going up and down. No, it's about Bella fucking Swan and whether or not she shuts her eyes and has a sleep. And Edward's like, haha, what's so funny? And she's like, oh, I'm just laughing um, because I realized <laughs> that today is the first and last day of forever. She says, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around it. Well, you, you don't have to because eh, it's not the last day of for forever. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So then they get to the doorknob. We're not even in the freaking cottage. And she puts the key in the lock and turns it. And Edward says, you're such a natural at this, Bella. Like at, at what? Turning a fucking key in a lock. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need to stop gassing this broad up because every time she does something, everyone's praising her. And like, yeah, not killing those hikers. That's worthy of a bit of praise. Only slightly mauling Seth. Yeah, okay, worthy of a bit of praise. All right, but now you're congratulating her for turning a key in a lock. You're a natural at this, Bella, at turning a key in a lock. She should be. She's been doing that all her life. I don't know why we're giving her applause for opening a fucking door to a cottage. And I don't know why this cottage is being locked up all the time anyway. Every time we've ever met a a vampire driving a car, they're hot wiring it. I've never seen any of them carrying around house keys. And yet I'm expecting her to just carry around this one ceremonial key all the time. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think vampires lock their doors. That's just my own personal hunch. She's never alluded to that, but I just, can you picture any of them walking around with a set of keys jangling around in their pockets? It just seems very human, doesn't it? So then Edward picks her up and carries her over the threshold because we're still in the honeymoon phase. And you know what that makes me think? You know how these books are all like, named after phases of the moon. Why didn't she just call this one honeymoon? (laughs) Would that have been too on the nose? So he carries her into the cottage. He says, what are you thinking? And she says, oh, everything. You know, I'm just thinking everything all at the same time. And I've been in her POV for a few chapters now that she's a vampire. And I, I don't know if she's thinking about everything. She's really just thinking about the same old shit over and over again. She's thinking about how well she can see things. She's thinking about how handy it was that Jacob imprinted on her baby. She's worrying about Charlie. That's about it. 
And she's like, oh, I'm thinking everything everywhere all at once. She says, right now I'm thinking that Esme is an artist. This cottage, it's so perfect. Then she describes the cottage as being like from a fairy tale. And we get a full description of everything. We get a description of the flooring, what stones are used, the exposed beams in the ceiling. She's breaking down the different types of wood. She's talking about a fireplace. She's talking about the flames burning blue and green. She's talking about the furniture made up of eclectic pieces. She's talking about an ottoman that seemed contemporary in contrast to a chair that seemed vaguely medieval. (laughs) And she's talking about how the pieces all fit together even though they're so bespoke. She's talking about the artwork being priceless originals. And yet she just told me, last page, let's just flip over to the previous page. She said, I was laser focused, I could see nothing but Edward. She says, that was all it took to make the house disappear. We could have been anywhere. I didn't see the trees or the stones or the stars. It was just Edward. And now she's like, oh, actually I do see the Ottoman. Actually, I do love that bespoke fireplace over there. Oh, I'm loving this little Italian tile. She's doing a whole architectural digest tour of the place. So she's not laser focused on Edward. And she has not described a TV. I do, I do not know if she's watching TV in the afterlife. She was like, oh, it's a place where you could believe that magic existed right out of a storybook. Edward always thought he was from the world of horror stories, but no, he's from the world of fairy tales. And now I'm in the story with him. Like, yeah, that's all lovely and romantic, but really, he drinks blood. You can't convince me that's a fairy tale at the end of the day. Yeah, he's hot. Yeah, you guys just had a little magical baby, but that baby's also biting people and drinking their blood. Namely, the werewolf that imprinted on it. Like, this isn't a fairy tale, sweets. I'm sorry. Cute cottage or not. And like, calling it a fairy tale and not a horror story suggests to me that she thinks fairy tales are all like pretty and positive. And it's like, well, when you think about the most famous cottage in a fairy tale, it's like Hansel and Gretel's cottage. Like the gingerbread house. And yeah, that involved a witch trying to eat human beings as well. Like fairy tales can be pretty grim and grisly. They're so grim. Is that where the word grim comes from? The grim fairy tales? I don't know. Fairy tales are just little mini horror stories with a little cute spin on it. And she's like, oh, you're from a fairy tale, Edward. I'm like, well, maybe that's more true than you think. I don't know. I'm again, talking myself in a loop here. So then Edward says, we're lucky Esme thought to add an extra room. No one was planning for Ness. Oh, Renesme. So even Edward's calling her Ness. (laughs) She frowns at him and he's like, bitch, what can I say? What can I say? You named the kid an idiotic name. She's got a better nickname that rolls off the tongue. Like, yeah, everyone else is calling an S. I hear their thoughts. I'm calling an S. Get over it. And she's like, ugh, my baby, the sea serpent. Oh, well. She says, maybe there was no help for it. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of fairy tales, your, your daughter's named after a sea serpent. So she looks at Renesmee's room, which is unfurnished. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. We'd have gotten around to like building a nursery. But, you know, things moved quick. Uh, we didn't have much time to set up the room when there was all those angry werewolves running around and things like that. And she's like, wow. Thinking about how Jacob imprinting on the baby really resolved everything for her. She's like, drat Jacob for making everything perfect this way. Um, she's really coming around to the imprinting thing, isn't she? She's like, oh, it's perfect. She's annoyed that Jacob's tied everything up in a nice bow, but only because she's annoyed at Jacob as a person, not at Jacob because he imprinted on her baby. She's over that. So then they go to their room and Esme's decorated it in the style of Isle Esme. So like the floor's the same color as the sand or some bullshit like that. And there's this big bed, 
But I'm just thinking like they broke the bed when the couple was half human, half vampire. Imagine two vampires. Like I hope that bed's reinforced. That needs to be like some really high quality headboard to <laughs> to not get destroyed like they did in Isle Esme. And have they ever apologized to her for that? Unclear. So she's standing around describing every inch of the freaking bed. Edward says, oh, the closet's through those double doors. I should warn you, it's bigger than this room. How big is this cottage exactly? Because they made out like it was small and yet it's, it's a two bedroom. So it's already bigger than my apartment. And there's a giant room sized closet. So basically it's a three bedroom. Maybe carving out the kitchen meant that they had more space. Again, I want to see the floor plan because in, in one breath they're saying it's small and in the other breath they've got like a Carrie Bradshaw closet. So I don't know what to think. And here's where she goes, I wasn't even going to look at the closet because I'm so obsessed with him and I want to jump his bones. Finally, even though she said, all I could see was Edward and then goes on for pages and pages describing the cottage. Now she's like, finally, I can get to jumping his pain. So then she jumps his pain and she says to him, we'll tell Alice that I ran straight to look at the clothes, but really I'm, I'm running to jump your bones. And she says, he caught up to my mood in an instant. And she says, oh, maybe he'd already been there. And he was just trying to let me fully appreciate my birthday present like a gentleman. It's like, yeah, he was probably the one asking them for alone time. She's acting like she's instigating this little sex romp. But I think he, he orchestrated this while you were still on your deathbed burning up. He said, guys, first order of business, Rosalie, babysit the kid. Esme, make sure there's a nice big bed with reinforced headboards. And Alice takes to the cottage and fuck off. But here she is thinking that he's been a gentleman. Oh, if she only knew. And so then they just start ripping each other's clothes off. Her clothes were already half ripped, in fairness, but they rip off uh, his clothes too. And then she says, it felt almost rude to ignore the pretty white bed, but we just weren't going to make it that far. So they're banging on the floor. I mean, is it that far? You just jumped over a whole freaking riverbed, but you can't even, what? hop a few centimeters over to get onto this bed. Uh, I mean, far be it from me to judge, but okay, they're banging on the floor. She says this second honeymoon wasn't like our first. She talks about how good her first honeymoon was when she first had sex with him and how she sort of wanted to keep her human life going because the sex was so good. She didn't want to give up on that. But now she's like, but you know what? If I had known that sex as a vampire would have been better, like, oh, Ugh, and it's like, of course you would have known, Dal. How, how could you not have figured that one out? It's another freaking revelation about being a vampire for her that the sex would be good. Like, no freaking shit. And she says, I could really appreciate him now. I could see his face properly. I could see every plane of him. I could taste his pure, vivid scent on my tongue. Okay. And feel the unbelievable silkiness of his marble skin under my sensitive fingertips. And her skin was even more sensitive under his hands. Hello. And then she said, there's no caution and no restraint this time around Um, because he's not afraid of murdering her in the act. She says we could love together, both active participants now, finally equals. Okay. Things are heating up in this little cottage. And so now that he's not holding back while kissing her, she's like, I couldn't believe how much I'd been missing. And so then <laughs> while they're halfway through doing it, she says, a very, very small part of my head considered the interesting conundrum presented in this situation. I was never going to get tired and neither was he. We didn't have to catch our breath or rest or eat or even use the bathroom. We had no more mundane human needs. 
He had the most beautiful, perfect body in the world and I had him all to myself. And I didn't feel like I was ever going to find a point where I would think, now I've had enough for one day. I was always going to want more and the day was never going to end, even though we've established that days do end, Bells. She says, so in such a situation, how did we ever stop? It didn't bother me at all that I had no answer. So they just keep banging like bunnies and she's worried she's going to be stuck in a little sex loop and never be able to break out of it because it feels so good and she doesn't ever need to stop having sex. I think she's forgotten all about Renesmee, <laughs> their child that might need to be cared for and fed and, I don't know, interacted with. She said, what an interesting conundrum. We never have to stop doing this because we don't need to pee or use the bathroom. She forgot about the kid. I'm, I'm 100% sure she was completely ignorant of the fact that she has a child. She's always bragging about how her vampire mind can think a million things at once. And yet she forgot about Renesmee. (laughs) Oh God, what a book. Okay, so then um, she's noticing, I think while they're still banging, I don't know, like the sun's starting to come up. I don't know, maybe they're just lying there on the floor. I don't know what they're doing. But then she says, do you miss it? And he's like, miss what? She says all of it, like my warmth, the soft skin, the smell. Are you sad you've lost, you know, having sex with a human? And he's like, no, bitch. He's like, do you think I wanted to hold back and almost kill you every time I kissed you? Like, nah. Actually, he doesn't say that. He just says, oh, to me, you are warm, which is a cop out. I know what he's really thinking. He's thinking, this is great. We just banged for like eight hours from dusk till dawn. Like, I'm, I'm good. But he's a romantic gentleman. So he's like, oh, of course, I, I, you are warm. You are soft. I love you just as you are. Yeah, right, mate. <laughs> Pull the other one, Edward. And he says like, you know, though, like, I won't miss the scent of your human blood because like, you remember when you wanted to kill those hikers like earlier, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, it's, it was kind of like that. And she's like, oh, oh. And now she's realizing that that would have been incredibly uncomfortable and awkward for him. And it's like, what? Surely you knew that, Bells. I know you're an idiot, but surely you would have comprehended the fact that a vampire who drinks blood in close proximity uh, might have wanted to drink your blood. And she's like, whoa, just totally shocked by that. And he says, yeah, so, you know, I'm good. I'm purely full of joy because I'm missing nothing. No one has more than I do now. And she's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then she asked that question that she was thinking while she was like mid-coitus. She says, so how long does this go on for? Like, uh, Carl Allen Esme, Emin Rose, Alison Jasper, they don't spend all day banging. They go out in public, they wear clothes. Like, when, when do we get to that point where we're just not banging constantly? And he says, well, everyone's different. Um, different couples have different sex drives. Some vampires, the thirst for both blood and sex never really goes away. It's just a matter of like learning to prioritize. And she's like, okay, mate, like, how long are we talking? And he's like, well, took Rosalie and Emmett a solid decade before I could stand to be near them. What? What? Rosalie and Emmett banged for a decade? I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having trouble with that. Like, a decade. A whole decade. Surely they had to stop every now and then to just... I guess they don't need to stretch their legs. I guess that, whew, a decade. Surely not. But yep, he says Esme and Carlisle almost kicked them out. And then they did kick them out eventually. Esme built them a freaking house just so that they could stop 
hearing them banging for a whole decade. Wow-wee-wow, wow-wee-wow. Oh boy. So it's even more wild to me that Carlisle just says, hey guys, if you're gonna be in my coven, you have to go to high school because they're sitting there doing bloody algebra and English lit every day for years and years and years and years, repeating the same classes over and over and over again from school to school, putting up with high schoolers, with teenage assholes going through puberty, putting up with all of that when they could be banging. Banging so good they do it for a decade straight, but then they get over it and they go to high school. Doesn't make any sense, Steph. I'm having a hard time reconciling that one. So she's like, okay, 10 years and then we'll be back to normal. Again, forgetting that they have a kid. (laughs) Renesmee is just not being thought of right now. And I don't know if they are just lying there on the floor still or still having sex, having this conversation. It's unclear. Anyway, Edward says, well, you've seen my family going about life in a fairly normal way, but you've been sleeping at night. And then he winks. So I think what he's saying is, yeah, when you see Carlisle and Esme and the rest, they're normal. But what you don't know is as soon as you go to sleep, they're having fuck fests. I think that's what he's suggesting. He says there's a tremendous amount of time left over when you don't have to sleep. It makes balancing your interests quite easy. Then he says, there's a reason why I'm the best musician in the family, why I've read the most books, studied the most sciences, become fluent in the most languages. It's because he had all of the spare time while they were banging each other. He says, it's not because of my mind reading abilities. It's because I've had a lot of free time. And then they laugh and laugh and laugh. Oh, and here's where she says, we laugh together. And the motion of our laughter did interesting things to the way our bodies were connected, effectively ending that conversation. So I do think, and excuse me if this is too graphic. I probably should have put a content warning at the start of this episode, but excuse me. I think what she's saying is that he was inside of her while they had that whole chat. Because she said the motion of our laughter did interesting things to the way our bodies were connected. AKA, they were soupin'. Have you guys heard of that soupin'? I don't know. I watched Jury Duty, which I, I loved. If you haven't watched the show Jury Duty, get on it. But there's this, there's this um, scene where one of the guys, one of the jurors, he wants to hook up with the other girl and he doesn't want to have sex before marriage. So he says, let's do some souping where it's like he lies on the bed. She lies on top of him connected. And then someone else being James Marsden jumps up and down on the mattress, creating the movement. So if it's not him doing the penetrating movement, if it's just the bed that's doing it, that he's lying on, then it's not considered sex and sex before marriage. And it's not like cheating and things like that. So yeah, that's souping. And I think they're souping. And here I was thinking that the book's not been that graphic. The sex scenes aren't that graphic. We skip over the most of it. And then it's like, okay, but then reread that picturing them inside one another, having that conversation. And that's just, that's just, oof. it brings a whole new level to it. Doesn't it? I can't wait to watch the movie. All right. And well, and that's the end of that chapter, because where do you go after souping? I mean, there's nowhere to go. So I'll see you guys next week for the next chapter where hopefully things start to pick up a bit more. Hopefully they remember Renesmee exists and you know, what problem that might be for them in the future with the Volturi and things. We're we're heading in that direction. We just needed a little sidebar to bang in a cottage. And I appreciate that. So let me know your thoughts. 
head over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books if you want to get in on the Allegiant recaps and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.